Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here today. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. Well, we are talking about baptism and uh, one of my favorite services. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. It's probably my favorite service of the year when we have baptisms. We do two or three of these a year. And uh, we had an amazing uh, first service. We had several people that made a commitment of their lives to Jesus at the end of listening to the testimonies. And, and uh, you can watch those online later. We'll compact them into one, in one part of our service. So what's the significance of baptism? Well, today is, as I said, a very special service at our church. It was at a baptism service that I made a commitment to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My sister-in-law was being baptized, and at the end of this service, the pastor asked if there's anybody that would like to give their life to Jesus, and I said, I'm in. And uh, that day changed my life, and so these are very significant services to me. Well, why would people make such a public spectacle of themselves, even adults, and being dunked in a tank of water Um, that I've often said looks more like a coffin than a swimming pool, (laughs) and uh, which is actually symbolic of what it really is because it's about the burial of our old life and being raised up into new life with God. And so let me read to you a scripture in the Bible that tells us what's happening in this thing called baptism. This is Colossians chapter 2 from our version of the Bible called the Message Bible. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in, insiders, not through some secret initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has already going, uh, gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you're going after, You've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life, and coming out of it was the resurrection. God is raising you from the dead, just as He did with Christ. And when you were stuck in your old, sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right alongside of Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross of Christ. Wow, that is good news. And that's what these people are doing. They're entering into this moment of their lives and celebrating that Jesus has become a door, a door to blessing and the life that God intended for every human being. Moving from death row because of our sins to life abundant. Burying our old life and being raised into the new life. Hallelujah. And that's an incredible thought. And that's where the term born again comes from. It's not a weird thing. It's in the Bible. It's letting go of our old and embracing the new. It's cleansing from a thing called sin, church. And sin is just... um, The best way to understand sin is that which is selfish and self-centered in our even in our pursuit of god 
and I'll talk about that more and more today so you begin to understand it. It's also celebrating the fact that these people are becoming part of the family of God. Why we are do this publicly and why the Bible commands us to do baptisms publicly, it's a public declaration of what these people have already done by giving their lives to God. And so this is why we do uh, baptisms in a public setting and forum. It's celebrating the fact that God has taken us right where we're at and also jumps into the pool of our lives to continue living together with us. This is a huge moment, very significant in many people's lives. And this is the symbolism that you're going to look at today. Well, Pastor Peter is going to come now and introduce our candidates. And I have a microphone here if you need one, Pastor Peter. Awesome, buddy. Thank you. Amen, church. Well, hey, I'm, my part's really easy. I'm just here to call up Dolores Maju. You were already hand clapping, so you can just keep it going. <laughs> Amen. Oh, what a beautiful morning we have had so far with worship and, you know, our group launch Sunday and now baptism. And um, because we had two people drop out of this service, we've just told Dolores, you have time you know, just relax, share your testimony. I don't think she's going to preach for an hour, but, you know. <laughs> but we're just so blessed to be able to hear your story today, Dolores. And so God bless you and give you confidence as you share with us right now. Here we go. Thank you. Today is so important to me that I invited family and friends who are important in my life. I want to share this amazing experience. Um, one of my sons told me that I should look after myself and do things I like. Well, today I'm doing something I want to do. I am so proud and excited about this step I'm taking, excited that I'm taking this step with so many loved ones here today. I look forward to the days, weeks, and years ahead of me. So how did I get here today? Tracy Myris called me and invited me to the father house. She was a new acquaintance. I said, sure. With COVID, we were no longer going to church. Plus, my mother passed away, and she was no longer at church. The Catholic church was empty, and so there was such an empty feeling. I started coming to the father house in January of last year. In the fall, I signed up for Alpha Film, film Series, and I diligently began reading my Bible this past spring. Also in the spring, I came to a service and listened to Pastor Mitchell's message. He asked everyone in the room to raise their hand if they wanted to believe. I always had a deep faith as I was raised Catholic, but I wanted to be like others and truly believe. So I raised my hand while tears came to my eyes. I put my hand on my heart as this was really what I wanted. Wow. I read the Bible that my girlfriend Jeannie gave me, and she suggested I start at the beginning. When I came to the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, I read and learned Moses' story. One week after I started Exodus, a friend of mine sent me a link, and amazingly, it was about the book of Exodus and how it compares to today's world. Reading the book of Exodus took me forever, as I would only read small amounts, consuming it slowly, and understanding what the Word was telling me. 
halfway through the book, it suddenly came to me. I needed to be baptized. Everything started to make sense, which was crazy and weird, as some would say, but wow. While reading Exodus, I learned that Moses had a relationship with God, but the people he was leading, the Israelites, didn't have the same understanding or relationship. While in slavery in Egypt, they were exposed to many gods, but now needed to be taught that there was one true God. You and I today need to learn to have a life-giving relationship with the one true God that there is only one God. I never had a relationship with God through his son Jesus like I have today, but now I have a greater understanding. There has been many times when I felt like I was being pushed into a corner in many different aspects in my life as a lot of things were crumbling around me. When my mother passed away, I lost not just my mother, but a dear friend. I felt like I was falling apart. My family members around me were falling apart. Many relationships were not the same as they were before, but my relationship with my siblings were majorly compromised. My study of the book of Exodus revealed to me that other gods were controlling my family members. COVID was one. Like a false god, it was controlling and consuming everyone's lives. Social media is another type of god that controls people. Addictions are false gods that control the people around me. Today, people are consumed by screen time and devices, which again is another type of false god that controls people. My family members are being consumed by other gods, no different than me. Other items of control were fear, depression, money, materialistic things, to name a few. There are many kinds of obsessions, all of which take hold of people and control them. I describe these things as other gods because I do not like to talk about the devil or Satan. I don't want to give the enemy any recognition, although that's where all these controlling and damaging things are coming from. We need to guard ourselves against them. We need to give thanks to God daily. We need to trust that Lord, guard us from evil. The enemy hates it when we have a good relationship with the Lord. I want to ask you this same question that I have wrestled with since I recommitted my life to Jesus and fully, fully believed in him. What other gods do you have in your life? What is attacking you right now? What are you allowed to have? A place of power and control in your life? I urge you to stand firm against the enemy. Don't allow false gods in your life. God is calling you to worship you worship him as one true God. Moses learned to have a relationship with God and learned to trust God as his friend. Exodus 33:11 says, "The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend." Exodus 23:13 says, "Be careful to do everything the Lord has said to you." Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. 
Exodus 23:25 says, "Worship the Lord your God and and his will. Be your food and water." He says that he will take away sickness from among you and among all miscarry or be barren in your land. Also that the Lord will give you a full life span. I have learned so many important scriptures. They have taught me to talk to God as a friend, to watch how I speak, to be thankful, and most importantly, the first commandment, not to have any other gods before me, the one true God. Like some of you in this room, I need a friend to lean on. I have found that new friend. I was lost, but now I have been found. I started talking to Jesus every day, and I carry on a connection with him all day. I am ready to share my friend Jesus with everyone. It's such good news. Jesus is a friend who is there with you no matter what happens. My sister always said, you don't know what someone is going through until you walk in their shoes. I wish everyone could walk in my shoes right now because I'm walking and talking to Jesus. A song that resonated with me is actually called Talking to Jesus. There's great truth in this song. My faith has grown as I've listened to it. I talk to Jesus all the time. It is part of my day. I love him. I'm so glad he came into my life. This may be hard for others to understand, but it is true. I have a good day when I talk to him, and I know he is always listening. It sounds weird, but it is true. I have, there have been so many amazing God moments. The Alpha film series deepened my faith here. The link that my friend sent me is another example. She never sends me this type of information, but this message helped me to understand. I feel as though I am now living with confidence, now that these beliefs are rooted inside me. I, I never would have wanted to stand here and speak, let alone talk about my personal feelings. Speaking out has always been very difficult for me, but look at me today. That is how important this day is for me. I want to share this with everyone. I want everyone to know the good news that I have experienced. Getting closer to the end. <laughs> Sorry. I still have so much to learn, but I'm now eager to read the Bible and to understand the truth. 2 Timothy 2.15.16 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those indulge in it would become more and more ungodly. Please listen when I say that others in the world or others here today are just like me. Maybe your world is crumbling. Maybe the lives of those around you are crumbling. It seems today that every little issue is now a big issue. I can't help but feel like people today are just like the Israelites in Exodus, broken, lost, and dealing with unbelief. It might sound strange, but I'm thankful for all the chaotic things. 
I experienced because it pushed me out of the corner. If it weren't for my life falling apart around me, I wouldn't be standing here today. If I waited till I finished the Bible, would I be ready? If I waited till I was perfect in my faith, would I have been ready? If I waited till my life was completely back together, would I have been ready? No, if I waited until all this happened, I would never have taken these amazing next steps on my journey of faith. There is a reason for everything that happens. We don't understand it at the time, but we need to trust, not worry, and have confidence in the Lord Jesus. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 were the verses written on the wooden spoon I received on the first Mother's Day service that I came here to the Father's Day house. Those verses say, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not onto thy own understanding. In all the way acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Again, wow. It took me a, a while to understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Now I have the rest of my life with him, and I couldn't be more thankful. My adventure is just beginning. I'm excited for what the future holds, as I will be honoring God wholeheartedly. Romans 8, 9. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. I thank God today. I am renewing my spirit out with the old and in with the new. With love and confidence, I surrender to God, to salvation, to the Spirit of Christ. I am internally grateful. I would like to thank the pastors of the Father House and the whole team here at the Father House. Thank you to Pastor Peter for your support. Thank you to Pastor Greg. I said the word you say often, wow. Pastor Greg helped plant a small seed of wow in me. It's growing. It's into a big wow. The seed is growing and flourishing. For so long, I had my receiver off. But now my receiver is on. And God is flowing through me. God can reach you when your receiver is turned on. I pray that yours is turned on today. Through that, I have shared to you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Peter. Dolores, just hang, hang on for one second. I just, uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Listen, listen to me. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that you are being given a gift of teaching, teaching the Word of God. That was a very great exegesis, which just means a study of the Word that you're now sharing with others. And so what you've been afraid of in the past, God is going to birth in you a new gift and so just encourage, I want to encourage you and pray for you in this before you go into baptism. Amen, people? Amen. <laughs>
So, Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for a great testimony that was thought through and processed and a building into the Word of God and drawing out truths, Lord God. And so I bless my sister right now. I bless her with the gift of teaching. Spirit of God, that you will pour in her a desire and a hunger to understand your Word to be able to communicate it to others. God, hallelujah. I am so grateful for your incredible mercy to us, Lord, and the great gifts of the Holy Spirit that you're going to display in Dolores' life, Lord God. We say thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Dolores, let's go baptize you. And my prayer, we've prayed for Dolores already, but I just pray that there would be people in the room today that would say, I identify with Dolores' story. Come on in, Dolores. And I have the same narrative that there have been false gods in my life that have controlled things and enslaved me. And I just pray in Jesus' mighty name that life would come as you surrender to God and surrender those things, just in the same way that Dolores did. And so, amen. I know that's the desire of your heart as well, Dolores. Amen. Well, Dolores Maju, have you believed in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? And do you desire to live with Him and for Him for the rest of your life? Yes, amen. Amen. Upon confession of your faith, Dolores, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, having been buried with Jesus Christ and raised to new life. Yeah! Church, I was just thinking, it's such a, a generational baptism service, and it's a celebration that we're such a generational church with, uh, you know, older generations and right down to little babies and whatnot. The first service, we baptize somebody whose children are grown and moved out, and she's kind of moving into that grandmother stage. Uh, this service, we're baptizing a young mom, we're baptizing a youth, and we're baptizing uh, a tween or a, maybe... 11-year-old, 12-year-old. And so it's awesome what God is doing generationally in his house. And we're excited to hear some testimonies. I'm going to invite up Cadence Sharwa. Give her a hand as she comes, church. And she's coming with her mom. And I told Cadence she can stand in front of the table because the table might hide you, right? Yeah. Welcome, Mom. This is Sarah and Cadence. Are you ready to share your story? All right. Here you go, kiddo. When I was younger, I knew God was the creator of the world, but I didn't really know him. I used to watch shows with magic and all that stuff, and I didn't pray. It also took me a long time for us to find the right church, and we found it. I like it here, and my parents like it here. Coming to church every Sunday has helped me decide to let Jesus into my heart. Since that decision, I've been praying at bedtime and asking 
him to help me with things, like things in school. I read the Bible and I'm getting to know God more and more. He has taught me to be kind to everyone, though I sometimes have trouble with that, to trust and give my fears to him, and I'm still trying to do that. When I was writing this, I became nervous. I didn't know what else to write, and my baptism was coming up. When I feel nervous is when I am reminded that I need to pray. So I prayed in the the rest of this. When I'm scared, I sometimes think of this verse. 2 Timothy 1.7 For the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. That is my favorite verse because I feel scared a lot and I have anxiety and I just relate to this verse. I've been more confident in overcoming my fears. I'm still scared of a lot of things, but I know God can help me with that too. Hey, I just feel like we need to pray for Cadence right now. And so her mom, Sarah, and I are just going to pray together. Pastor Stacy, why don't you come over and place your hand on Cadence as well? Thank you, Lord. God, I know this was huge for Cadence this morning. God, feeling fear, feeling scared, anxiety, God. And here she is up on stage sharing her story. God, in the mighty name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit, I just declare complete deliverance from anxiety, complete deliverance from fear. God, I just speak and I prophesy to Cadence's future that she would just be a mighty woman of God in your kingdom, solid and firm and strong in her faith. And God, that she would public speak again and again and again with bold confidence. We just thank you for her life and thank you for just the kingdom of God expressed through her testimony today. And the whole church said, amen. Let's go baptize you, Cadence. You get to be the first one and tell tell us if it's cold or not. Then everyone else gets to look forward to it. believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and want to live with him and for him for the rest of your life? Yes. Then upon confession of your faith, I baptize you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, having been buried with him and raised to a new life. How special is it to include Pastor Stacy, our kids' pastor, in baptisms? Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Cadence and Sarah, for coming up. Okay, we have a mother-daughter baptism today, so I think daughter's going first. Addison, come on up. Come on up, Addie. <laughs> You're awesome. Awesome. This is Addison Favreau. Did I see your Favreau. Okay, Addison Favreau. And mom, Nikki, is coming up next. Addison, why don't you go ahead and share your testimony? 
As a younger kid, I never went to church and I never really understood the meaning of God. In August 2019, my dad was posted to Quebec and my mom and I stayed here because what I needed was here. Shortly after my dad left, my mental health started to go downhill and then the pandemic hit. I attempted suicide many times in front of my mom. School was not going well with having to go online and not being able to see or hang out with my friends or even leave the house. My mom did the best she could while working full time because she works in healthcare at, and was solo parenting and still trying to get me the help and support I needed. Which by the, by the way, if you're a kid or a teenager, it's, it's not easy to come by because there are not enough people going into that field and it's not well funded either. I had to go on meds that made me gain a ton of weight in a short period of time, so I was also not liking myself either. My mom tried her hardest to get my dad back home, which finally happened in 2021, March of 2021. I got to go back to Quebec with my dad and pack up his stuff and move back, and I got to see my dad's side of the family I haven't seen since 2014, and that helped a lot. My dad and I made the long drive back to Alberta with lots of stops along the way, visiting family and friends, and visiting, visiting Kekabeka Falls and the Terry Fox Memorial in Winnipeg. I really, loved I really loved having just me and my dad time together, which I missed so much when he was gone. During the summer of 2022, I was still struggling, even with, even with finally being able to get counseling. In July, I tried to kill myself again. My parents took me to the stallery. We waited for hours and was still not, be able, and was still not able to get any real, real good help that I needed. My mom and dad decided that we needed a break and I went to BC with my best friend Jen her, and her mom for a week. It was good and it was a good start and the and a rest that I needed. When I came back home from BC, I, didn't, I did something not so smart and I got myself grounded and my mom decided that it was time for me to start going to youth group. After starting youth group and going each week, I made some great friends and my mental health started to get better. At Connect Camp 2022, I met my friend Jacob. He's the older brother I never had, and he made an amazing p impact on my life. He always encourages me to do my best in life, even though I don't always make the smartest decisions. When I came back from Connect Camp 2022, I told my mom I wanted to be baptized, and I wanted her to do it as well. I kept pushing it off for a year because I didn't know what to say for my testimony, and even though I wanted to do it, it was still not the right time for some unknown reason. Fast forward to Connect Camp 2023. On the second night, I asked Jacob to pray for me for guidance and encouragement. And while Jacob was praying over me, I felt a wave of emotions that I've never felt in my life. I felt safe and, and comforted. It's, it started from my feet and worked the way up my body. I felt a presence in front of me, but Jacob and Nathan were on my left and right side. So no one was in front of me. Um, in front of me when I was, when I opened my eyes, there was nobody in front of me. I believe that presence that I felt was Jesus in front of me. On my, on my way home from Connect Camp, I found out there was gonna be a baptism on September 17th, and I texted my mom right away to tell her this, and I told her it was the right time now. Psalms 4, chapter four, verse seven says, you are all, all together beautiful, my love, there is no flaw in you. I love this verse because no matter how bad I feel about myself, I know Jesus loves me for who I am. Now here I am reading my testimony out loud for all of you to hear that I have opened my heart to Jesus and God and believe, and believe with all my heart and know that I felt Jesus that day and I will always be loved.
church, I just wanted to celebrate something just so incredible. When I met this family, Oliver and Nikki and Addison, and, and I talked with Nikki for a while, she talked about all the things that her daughter had experienced in mental health, trying different medications, counselors, therapists, all those things. And, and Addison, we heard it in your story, and I heard it in that phone call with you, Nikki, that what was life-changing for Addison was coming to youth group and hearing the gospel of Jesus. It changed her life. It's just been changing and transforming everything. The presence of God is with you, Addison. He's before you. He loves you. You're his beautiful daughter, and God bless you as you're baptized today. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go baptize you. Give her a hand, church. Well, Addison Favreau, have you believed in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Do you desire to live with him and for him for the rest of your life? Yes, I do. Upon confession of your faith, Addison, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, being buried with Christ and raised to new life. dad is home from the military, giving his daughter a hug. It's precious. It's special. Amen. All right, mom, you're up. You ready? This is Nikki, everybody. And Nikki, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, give her a hand. Amen. Go ahead and share your testimony. Do you mind holding the mic for me? Yeah, I can. Thank you. I was introduced to Jesus when I was a little girl by my mom. We went to a Mennonite church when we lived in Winnipeg, and it was a blast for four-year-old me. I loved Sunday school and all the events they did and programming my mother placed me in. I knew that God had made the earth and everything in it, and he made Adam and Eve, and then later sent his only son, Jesus, to save us from our sins. As a kid, I saw Jesus as just another authority figure and someone I was going to disappoint because every time I did something to get in trouble, my mom would say to me that Jesus was watching me and he was disappointed in me and my actions. As a teen, I was raped, which led me down a dark path that no parent wants their child to go down. I did something to hurt myself and after that, my mom got me a Bible called the Adventure Bible from Focus on the Family. I started to read the Bible from the Old Testament, and it was not an easy read. So I flipped through the different books and stumbled upon the book of Revelation and thought, this sounds good. As someone who didn't understand Revelation, I was so wrong. It scared me to the point that, not, that I wasn't even able to sleep, so I talked to my mom about it, and what she told me scared me even more. So she handed me a book called The Rapture by Hal Lindsey, and she had read it as well. Reading that book was such a great comfort to me that I was like, hey, I believe in Jesus, so if the world, with the world ends during my time, Jesus is coming back to get me and all the believers, so I'm good now. 
In my late teens and early 20s, there was a lot of hardships and challenges being thrown my way. And I would always talk to God. We had our best conversations late at night while I was in bed trying to sleep when everything going not good in my life was keeping me awake. In my late 20s, I went back to school to become a pharmacy technician, which I absolutely love to this day. After school, I moved to Kingston and met and married my wonderful husband, Oliver, and we had our amazing, resilient daughter, Addison. Shortly after having Addison, we were posted to Montreal, and mental health and money hardships followed right along, and still I had my faith and my late-night conversations with God to get me through. I knew he was listening when Oliver got promoted, posted only three years after being there, and that promotion was still a few years away. And when we came to Alberta within a month of being here, I didn't need my depression meds anymore. During the first 24 months we were in Alberta, Oliver spent 18 of the, out of the house on courses, field time, and a nine-month tour to Afghanistan without a break partway through to come home for a visit. It was really rough on me and Addie with Oliver away, and out of the blue, the tour was cut short, and his group was the last group to come back to Canada just before Christmas. He came home on December 13th, 2013, and I was so relieved and happy that God again listened to my prayers. <sighs> exactly one month to the day of him coming home, my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that the reason my husband came home early from his tour was God knew what was coming and how much I was going to need my husband, my pillar of strength by my side. My mom died two months and seven days after her date of diagnosis. Oliver... Oliver should have still been in Afghanistan when she died. The night that my mom passed, I was at the hospital by myself. My dad was five hours away and my sister was on a flight from Nova Scotia. I got a call within minutes of my mom passing, which was at 3.52 a.m. And it was a friend that I had not spoken to in months. But she had seen my posts on Facebook about my mom not doing well. And she came to my side that night while Oliver was unable to. She got me food. She got me food and meds to help with the root canal I had the night before. She drove out to the airport in the middle of a snowstorm to pick up my sister. She was such a blessing and a godsend that day. I was a wreck, and God gave me everything that I needed to get through that terrible day like he always has. Fast forward a few years, and we were blessed again by being able to build our first house and move to Morinville. In 2019, Oliver was posted back to Quebec, and we made the decision that Addie and I would stay here. We had the house only two years, and what Addie and I needed was here. I knew that his posting was going to be hard, but I felt I could deal with anything that came our way while he was gone. The challenges came hard and heavy from 2019 to 2021, and I felt like I was in the battle for my life, and not just mine, but my kids and my husband's as well. I was so engrossed in that battle 
that the thought of reaching out to God didn't even occur to me. It was like he didn't even exist in my world for the first time ever. I was eventually able to get my husband home and things calmed down to a certain extent and life was still up hills and valley lo valleys low. I ended up leaving my place of employment, which helped a lot and got a job here in town with and Alicia, Alisa Shen came into my life and she introduced me to this church. Thank you, Elisa. When I first started coming here, Pastor Tyler and Peter were giving the sermons and they really touched me. My first sermon with Pastor Greg changed my life. It was the first time that I had heard God being talked about not being millions, millions of miles away and never being good enough to reach or always trying to reach for him but never being able to make it. He said his son is always right beside you, knocking on the door, and all you have to do is open up the door and invite him in. The worship we sang that day brought me to tears, and Pastor Greg asked if anyone was willing to accept God and Jesus into their heart today, and if so, to raise their hand. And I did with tears streaming down my face, and someone was watching me open my heart to God in a way I never had before, and it was such an overwhelming feeling. The person who noticed was Margot. I caught her out of this corner of my eye, and she was coming to me and held her arms open wide, and I slid right into them, into her embrace, and the floodgates opened even more. Her hug was so amazing, it felt like I was being hugged by my own mom. <laughs> Thank you, Margo, for that. I will remember that day for the rest of my life. My relationship with Jesus has completely changed. I read the New Testament, and I was excited to come home from work every day to read it. Never thought I would be that person. My favorite book is Acts. I also attended Alpha last year and learned so many new things. Kirk was at Alpha and he mentioned reading the book, The Case for Christ. I always had my own belief of how the world started and how we came to be, which I was taught as a little girl. And I also knew what science said about that, but I chose to go with my heart. Reading that book confirmed for me what I believed in my heart, which was true. Thank you, Kirk. I have read other books by the same author, which helps me get closer and closer to him. There are TV shows I don't watch anymore, music I don't listen to anymore, because those things just don't sit well with me anymore, and it's not putting me on a path to Christ. A scripture that speaks to me is Proverbs 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. When I was at my lowest point in 2019 and 2021, I was so far from him, but I knew what was but he knew what was in my heart. And it was he who kept me going, even when I couldn't see it, think it, or feel it. The more I open up my heart and my arms to him. He takes all the weight of my anxieties, my worries, my troubles, my fears. He takes everything. <laughs> and he gives me what I need and guides me to his path. And I will forever 
ever be grateful and thankful. I will never stop thanking him for everything he has done for me and my family. Amen. Well, Pastor Greg and I agree. We want to, we want to pray for your family. Amen. Yeah. Oliver, I'm, I'm not going to call you up on stage if that's uncomfortable, but we love you. We're praying for you. You can come up if you want. Hey, he's coming up. Come on up, Oliver. Come on up. <laughs> God bless you, man. I'm so glad you're coming. Amen. Why don't you stretch your hands out to this family, church? proud papa. Hallelujah. God, thank you for Oliver, for Nikki, for Addison. What a powerful moment today, God. Lord, oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that what we do here is so much more than dry religion. Thank you, Jesus, that it's life-giving, refreshing, transformative relationship with the living God. God, we thank you for the journey that Oliver and Nikki and Addison are on together. We just pray more, more, more of your Holy Spirit life to be infused into Addison and into her rhythms, God, in high school, into Oliver and Nikki and their marriage and their, their home and, God, their habits and their work life and just every part. Holy Spirit, would you just invade and fill and furnish them by the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of salvation that is so available and abundant in their home. Today, we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. And the whole church said... Amen. All right, let's baptize Nikki. Isn't this awesome? Oh, it's amazing. Come on in. All right. Well, Nikki Favreau, have you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and do you desire to live with Him and for Him for the rest of your life? I do. Upon confession of your faith, Nikki, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, being buried with Jesus Christ and raised with Him to new life. by those testimonies right now. Thank you guys for sharing. Wow. <laughs> Church, you make a difference. How different this story could have been without the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Thank you for your obedience, for your love for people. 
Wow. Wow, wow. I need to pray. Father, today, <laughs> Lord, I think of this testimony of Nikki and her beautiful daughter. Lord, not only saved by you, but saved by your body, the body of Christ, the hands extended, the hugs, a youth reaching out to another youth, <laughs> the youth group seeing a life rescued and saved. God, there's nothing to say but thank you. And Lord, we think of the many multitude of more kids and more families that need to find their way home to you, Father. And we start with a simple prayer to all those who need God in their life. Hear me now. The door is open. God desires to have a relationship with you. We ask you, Father, to reveal yourself to those in this church today who need to know you, to those watching online, God, who need to know you. We are desperate for you to move, Holy Spirit. Give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that receive and respond to you in faith. In Christ's name, amen. Wow, we are having church today. Come on. God is so good. Well, I want to uh, challenge us is to understand why these people are here today and how they got here. Because this is what the message of Christ really is. In Ephesians chapter 2, before it comes up on the screen, I'm going to read it from a shorter version and then expand it a bit for you. How they got here is, says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Ephesians chapter 2 again from the Passion Translation. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Nothing we could ever do to earn his salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Well, let's take a look at those two words that are in that passage, which is grace and faith. Because we need to understand the testimony and the story of these people has been going on for many human beings for generations and generations. The word grace in the original language literally means the divine influence upon one's heart and how it reflects in their lives. And so understand that grace ultimately is God revealing himself to someone in their need. 
And in this case, you heard two amazing stories, well, three actually, of how God is meeting these wonderful, amazing people in their needs. This is who God is, and this is what He does. He comes to rescue us ultimately from ourselves. And this revelation comes to us that we cannot earn the blessing of God, and that's part of grace as well. Now, why is that difficult for us? It's difficult for us because most of us believe we're pretty good. We see life through the lens of a scale. And we say, well, you know, I'm pretty good and I'm better than these ones, so I guess that's how I'm going to be right with God. And so we kind of have these scales. This happens to me all the time, you guys. I talk to people about, you know, how uh, I, they know they can come into a relationship with God, and, and they'll say things like either one of the two things. They'll say, well, I'm not good enough, or, well, I think I'm good enough. And they always relate the statement I make to themselves, like they can earn what I'm talking about. And so I've shared this before with you that, you know, a, a lot of times uh, I, I talk every time I go to my barber, who's a Muslim. And uh, we talk about religion all the time. And, uh, you know, he says things to me like, how can you know you're going to heaven? And he says, because I've looked at your life, and I think I'm actually a little better than you are. And I say, <laughs> you know, I don't have an argument with him. I actually say, you might be right, you know, and, and that's okay. But I'm not going to heaven because of what I've done or failed to do. I am going to heaven because of what Jesus has done and that he has offered me his place in being right with God and taken my place, which is being very wrong with God. That's why my sins had to be placed upon him and he had to pay the price to save me. See, we look at our balance sheet and we think, well, that's how we're going to be right with God. But that's not what God says at all. God actually says this about every one of you in this room. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means all fail to be right with God in and of themselves. And so he offers us, church family, a great exchange. He says... I will take your place and I will pay for your sins and all the things that you've done wrong and I will give you my place as the beloved son of God and God will adopt you and bring you into our family but you have to make the exchange. And so that's what we're understanding when we come to this understanding of grace. It's something we don't earn and we cannot deserve the balance scales. You see, religious people have faced this the hardest because sometimes religious people really think that they've done enough to earn salvation. But let me give you an analogy of how wrong even religious people are and uh, why it doesn't work. So let's say, let's eliminate being right with God and all that language, but let's say that the way to be right with God is how high you can jump. And the average human being can jump 12 to 16 inches off the ground. 
So that if you're fairly average, that's what you can do. You might do a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I'm a pretty good jumper. I'm better than those guys. They're really not doing that good. And so I'm not going to try and jump because that ends in injury and things that are not good for me. But, uh, but uh, what if you did that and you could jump so high? And you're saying, well, look at this. I am getting actually, you know, 18 inches off the ground in a freestanding jump. And everybody would clap and say, wow, that's pretty amazing. You're better than average, Pastor Greg. But, you know, the highest straight vertical jump recorded is 56 inches, which is 4 feet, 6 inches, 6, 7 inches, okay? The highest vertical jump from a standstill is 4 feet, 6 inches. That's pretty high. I mean, I don't think, well, it's the highest one ever recorded, so I don't think anybody in this room is going to do it. Are you following me? And then I looked at the world record high jump, because once I go down a rabbit trail, I just start going down. I'm like, this is so interesting. So this guy, uh, Cuba's uh, Javier Sanmayor, uh, he jumped uh, six feet and a quarter inch on a high jump. That's the one where they jump over the bar. It's the, it's the longest or highest one ever recorded in history. So there's Cuba's Javier that did that. In the women's side, Hungarian Svletka uh, Kosovina made six feet, 10 inches and a quarter. How many of that's pretty impressive? Pretty impressive. So see, religious people, they look at the world. And by the way, looking at the world and comparing yourself to other people is not how you determine how right you are with God. You know, well, I don't murder people. Wow, way to go. You don't murder people. Okay, now you must be right with God. No, that's not what God is saying, because I want you to comprehend something. Now, being right with God, this is why God says all have sinned and fall short of reaching God. We think that there's a height that must be need to be achieved in order to reach God. But I want you to understand that God is like Mount Everest, okay? That's, just so you know, 29,035 feet. So if you practice your whole life and you're very religious and you can make it now like this great vertical leap record of four feet, six inches, how many of you know you're still a long way from 29,035 feet? That's how holy, good, and perfect God is. And so he's saying it's impossible for you, even through the most conscientious religious behavior, to be right with God. You can't do it on your own. And so this is why we need to understand this thing by called grace, because it cannot be earned. It can only be received as a gift. Well, how do I receive this as a gift, Pastor Greg? You heard it expressed by everybody that's been baptized today, but through a thing called faith, by trusting that God is good enough and generous enough to actually give you an undeserved gift. I mean, what's the kindness of God demonstrating in Christ and the cross and taking your place and your sins 
and shortcomings. You see, faith looks to the cross. We have a cross in our sanctuary for those that are watching online. You've seen crosses all over the world. But the cross to Christians represents the bridge that expands whatever the chasm of sins that your life is. It spans from that place to God if you will but trust that God is good enough to do that for you. That God would say, listen, if you will come to me in all your sinfulness, all your selfishness, all your self-centeredness, if you will but give me that and say, Lord, please forgive me and, and come into my life and live with me, God says the gap is instantly gone. That's what the cross is all about. You see, Jesus came. He came to take your place to pay for your sins on the cross, and in exchange, He gave you His place before God. Jesus was sinless. He never sinned. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine claiming that even to His enemies? He said, if any of you can prove me guilty of sin, speak it now. I, can you imagine saying that to your spouse or any other human being alive? Like, it would not take you long to realize I can't really clear more than a foot off the ground. And so this gap exists that God has come to take our place, to pay for our sins, and to give us His place you see, Christianity, guys, is the only religion that starts at the finish line. You know, we line up for this ultra marathon called life, and we're like, okay, I got the race is to be right with God. And God comes along and He says, hey, I'll give you being right with me if you will but trust me and know that I long to forgive you and take your place and give you my place. And the minute we were standing at that starting line and we say, God, okay, forgive me. I can't work hard enough. I can't do enough good things. Would you please come into my life? The moment we do that, all of a sudden there's cheering. You're standing at the starting line, okay. And all of a sudden people start cheering. Yeah! You won. You made it. You're the victor. You start at the finish line. You haven't even done anything except trust God. And this is the miracle of Christianity. It's the miracle that God is offering to the whole world. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whomsoever should believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Whoo! What a deal. What a great exchange is being offered to you and to me, this is the trust that God is looking for. Could it be true? Can we be saved without earning a single thing? Well, let me tell you a great story from the Bible that is the best proof of this story that I just shared with you. It's in Luke 23. Jesus is being crucified along with two criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And uh, he begins to share things from the cross. You can study this yourself. He speaks seven phrases or words from the cross. Now, at the beginning of this story, Jesus is being crucified. And as he's saying these words, the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders begin to mock him. 
And uh, th that's what happens because one of his words, which really offends them, was this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Can you imagine the guy, he's, he's crucified by the people that are mocking him and he asks the Father to forgive them. Well, this sends them into a fury. And he's, uh, the soldiers are mocking him, and the, even, the, even the people crucified with him are mocking him for this. And, uh, you know, they say, you know, if he, how, if he wants to save other people, how can he, why doesn't he just save himself? And they miss this incredible offer of forgiveness. The soldiers are there. The religious leaders are there. The other criminal is there. But there's one person that catches his offer of forgiveness. It's the second cr criminal crucified with him. When the first criminal starts to mock Jesus, the other criminal, this is what it says in Luke 23, rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him, get off the cross and go and do some really good works and I'll think about it. <laughs> oh, that's not what it says? Okay, sorry. Jesus answers him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, the second criminal, something's happening as Jesus is speaking these words. Something's changing. You can study this in the Gospels. He goes from mocking Jesus to suddenly listening to him, speaking these words. And, you know, his guilt has been revealed. God's holiness has been revealed. Jesus' innocence has been revealed. And he realizes the offer is for him. He asks Jesus to remember him. He accepts the request of Christ. Why is this a story of grace and faith, you guys? Because this guy is utterly guilty to the point of he's being, been charged and tried and being crucified for his crime. He's in the midst of praying and paying for that crime, sorry. He cannot get down off the cross and earn forgiveness. There's nothing he can do. Within a few hours, he will be dead. So this picture is the greatest picture of grace and faith to me in the New Testament story. He simply believes and asks and receives. And in that moment of asking Jesus, help me, God says, today, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. See, religious people struggle with this. They're like, how can that be? How can that be? Like my Muslim barber. How can that be? Because it's not based on what you do or fail to do. It's based on what Christ has done. Amen? Well, let's land this ship right now and wrap things up today. You see, how will you respond to Jesus? We can be like the soldiers who gambled for his clothes and they saw only the temporary benefits of being close to Christ. 
They miss the offer of life's invitation to eternal life. Guys, they literally, can you imagine this? Jesus is speaking these words and they're gambling for his clothing at the foot of the cross. And he's saying things like, Father, forgive them. Let them turn to you. And they miss it because they're only living for the temporal benefits of knowing Jesus. You know, we need to turn from just living for this life, guys. There's not much in this life anyway. We need to put our hope and our faith in Christ in the here and now, but also for eternity. Guys, listen to me. Your life is but a speck in the eternal sands of time. It's one grain. (laughs) And God is offering you life and life abundant. But we only want to live for this life. It's not the way to do it, you guys. You know, some of us need to come to Jesus and just let go of our self-righteousness. It doesn't matter if your scales are this high and the guy next to you scales this low. That's not the measurement. The measurement is the Everest of God's presence. And there's only one human being that's ever done it, and his name was Jesus. And he's offering you his place and willing to take your place. Hallelujah. This is the invitation. So really, in final analysis, you guys, you're... (laughs) You have to choose which criminal you will be. Because we're all, we've all fallen short, right? We've all sinned, if we're honest. We've all blown it. We've all fall short. So you can be that one criminal that just tries to get the benefit of Christ in that moment, or you can be the other criminal that says, remember me. Take me as I am on a cross, unable to earn anything. I don't deserve it, but I ask you for it. And Jesus will say to you, I'm going to meet you in that moment. What an incredible gift from God. Thanks for joining us today. If you want more information, please visit our website, tfhchurch.ca, and we'll see you next week.